Welcome to the Alpha Dude Podcast with Michael Pulser. What would it be like if you knew that you were unstoppable and you could live life on your terms? Better yet, how good would it feel knowing that on your deathbed, you had fulfilled all your potential and more? Life on Earth has a beginning and an end. It's what you do in the middle that counts. Let's look at how to make that part even better. So it's almost the end of 2019, and I hope that everybody's making the progress that they need towards their goals to finish this year on a high. So if you'd like to reach out and let me know where you are, reach out, email, messenger, you know how to get through. For me, it's been a massive year, and I must stress that when you look at your goals, it's imperative that you focus on what's important. Find out what your values are, what you truly value, and then work from there. And pretty much I found that most of these goals should be focused around some sort of progress or helping or experience. It's when people focus on things that they want to accumulate materialistically that I find that people just generally lose focus or just don't fulfill their potential. So let me know how you've gone. Some people have been asking what I've been up to. So for myself, I had it in different categories. The first one is working on the personal upgrade system. And it's been a great year. I've been able to achieve weekly podcasts and getting in touch with fantastic coaches all over the world. And not just coaches, but all different people from different walks of lives. And I appreciate everybody who's contributed to the show and all the listeners. I've almost managed to hit that target of 100,000 listeners that I planned at the start of the year. I'm just over 80,000, so we'll see how we go, but it's not really about the numbers even. It's more about the impact, and I feel like I'm reaching out and and helping some of you guys who have got back to me and, and told me how this podcast has impacted you, so that stuff for me is motivation, so... If you've got anything you'd like to say, reach out. It's great. And if you need any help, also let me know. Be happy to help. I also released the book, Personal Upgrade, this year that I honestly started around 10 years ago. So finally publishing it and getting out there was a big achievement for myself. And thanks to you and all the readers, it managed to make number one in three different categories at Amazon and is doing well. And the mini booklet that came along with it, the Attract, Love, Repel, Hate, also made it number one in one category and is also doing well thanks to your help. So that's been great as well. Other aspects of my life have been going well, career, personal life, other things. Uh, physically, just this week, I I ticked a, a brief. I finally got to deadlift one and a half times my body weight for sets and reps. Now, I know a lot of you guys out there are lifting way more and power to you, but for me, this was a big thing, so I was happy to do it. Along with that, I've also got my second down black belt grading coming up at the end of the year, and I'm also training, doing different bits and pieces here and there, so that's all coming along nicely. Now, the main thing, as I said before, is about experience. So if you can find some experiences that will enrich your life and other people's lives. That is where the gold is. So my experiences this year that I've been lucky enough to achieve is 
including that amazing holiday that I mentioned in an earlier podcast. And most importantly, on that holiday, we got to go and help the poor and homeless people. And that that touched me. And whenever I'm feeling low, it just brings you up as well. So that was fantastic. Turning 40 this year, I fulfilled the deep desire to go and meet Tony Robbins at the Unleash the Power Within seminar. And that was a brilliant event. So hopefully you can make that along on one of your bucket list things if you haven't done it already. We've also done a few concerts and events. I took my boy to his first AFL game, which is Australian Rules Football. If you haven't seen it, look it up on YouTube. A lot of fun. Also took him out to see the monster trucks. I was invited to do a martial arts demonstration for a community again. That was amazing. Got into camping this year and I've got a camping trip coming up later on this month actually. And in preparation for that, I also went to a bush, they call it bush tucker in Australia, but bush food training course where they kind of teach you to live off the land, what plants you can eat, what is, what's poisonous, what's not, which in a place like Australia is really interesting because there is just so much to learn out there. So this has just been a very small idea of where I've been for 2019 but as I said before it's not about me and I'm only going through this because some listeners were asking me about goals and where I'm up to at the moment this is my year at the moment I'd like to know more about what you're up to and more importantly if you feel like you'd like me to bring on anyone to the podcast or if you have any feedback let me know otherwise I'll bring on our next guest So two months left, make sure that it really counts. That way, if you finish this year strong, you'll have so much more to give for next year. With this in mind, our next guest, Audrey from Podchicks, is here to discuss her journey, how she has achieved so much. Pay attention to where she's come from and how she's managed to achieve all the things that she has, simply by having that intentionality that we all need to drive forward and use our goals to propel us to the place that we need to be. So here's Audrey. Hi, everybody. My name is Audrey Bell Kearney. I am an entrepreneur for 22 years, 20 years full time. I'm an inventor, an author, um, a community leader, uh, activist, a podcast, I'm all of those things, I'm all of those great things. But I didn't start out that way. I was born in Albany, Georgia but I was raised in Newark, New Jersey, and I'm recently moved back to, um, to Georgia. I live in Lawrenceville, Georgia. And I, I just wanted to come on and share, um, share a little bit about my journey as an entrepreneur. As I said before, I've been an entrepreneur for 22 years. I've been an entrepreneur full-time for 20 years, and that's a long time. I'm going into my 23rd year. I wrote my first book in 1998. I co-authored it with some friends, so I've been doing this, this thing for a long time, but it hasn't been an easy journey. It has not. I've tried my hand at plenty, plenty of different businesses, network marketing. I'm an inventor. I'm an author. I've been a business coach. I've been a consultant. I've done a whole lot of things, but here's what I found, right? Here's what I found. I found that I was chasing money so hard till I never really focused for a long time on, on anything. And I think that I, I was chasing money because I grew up in Newark. And Newark is, Newark is Newark can be a little bit tough. 
you know, if you don't know anything about Newark, New Jersey, it could be a little bit tough. So I had that hustle mentality and I knew that I wanted to, I wanted a great life. When I went to college, I remember going to college. I went to Montclair State College and I remember having a babysitting job. And I remember um, I was, it was uh, the person who hired me. She was my boss over the summer. Her name was Vicky and she had a little girl. And when I went to college, she lived in Bloomfield, which was the next town next to Montclair, New Jersey. And she hired me so I could make some money while I was living on campus as a babysitter. And I remember going to her house in Bloomfield and she had a beautiful house. She has uh, like a Victorian house. And I remember going to her house and I remember going upstairs and upstairs in her house, and, then, and when you got up to the top of the stairs, it was like a roundabout in the middle of the floor. And she had like um, benches around the roundabout. I thought that was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen. And I said to myself, I want a house like this. I want a house like this. And um, and I just remembered that. And, and to fast forward later on in my life, I met my daughter's dad and his family, his father was, was a f pretty famous person. And um, I had never met a famous black person. I'm just going to be honest with you. I had never met a famous black person until I met him. And I remember going to that house um, that my that my boyfriend at the time grew up in. And the house was beautiful. And what was crazy about the house at the bottom of the pool, um, they had a pool. So the pool was kind of like inside the house. And, is, and I kind of remember that the bedrooms were kind of surrounding the pool. So you could slide the door from your bedroom and go out to the pool. But at the bottom of the pool, my daughter's grandfather's name was entitled at the bottom of the pool. And I remember looking over in the pool and seeing his name. And I was like, what? I, I could not believe my eyes, right? And so I'm sitting and I'm looking at this. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. So this house was it was beautiful. He lived in Hanover, Massachusetts. And, um, you know, I, I was coming from Newark. So remember now, I grew up in Newark. I still lived in Newark at that time. And... I remember going to that house. The house had a sauna and, and downstairs it had a family room, a game room, had all these amazing things. And I'm thinking, crap, black folks live like this? This is amazing. Cause my my the person that I was babysitting for, she was Spanish. And so I was in love with her house. She had a Victorian. But when I got to this house, I was like, wow, this is this is pretty cool. And so that kind of put me on my journey. Um of wanting to be, wanting to have more, knowing that there was something other than where I was in my life. And and I started that journey off, you know, looking at those people. I remember um, his dad flew us to Jamaica for eight days, right? And we went first class on a plane. We got picked up at the airport by the limousine. The limousine dropped us off at the airport. We got picked up at our hotel because we had to go to we had to go to Boston and leave out of Logan and we got picked up at, at the airport um at the hotel dropped off at the airport got on the plane went to Jamaica spent eight days in Jamaica came back the limo picked us up from the from the airport took us back to our hotel it was it was amazing so here I am floating around in limousines and flying on you know flying first class and going to foreign countries and things like that and so at that point it was like okay I, this is nice. And then the, the last thing that happened that just gave me this whole thing about, I really, really, really want this life. We went to visit his dad when Christmas and the limousine picked us up in Boston and drove us to New Hampshire for the house that was in New Hampshire. Right. So here I am. So I visited visit this house in Hanover, Massachusetts. That was beautiful. Then I get picked up in a limousine in Boston to drive me to New Hampshire to this house. It was like a cabin. 
and it, where our room was in the cabin, there was a stream. So we could go out on the deck from our bedroom and there was a stream below, the, below us, right? And I'm thinking, this is freaking amazing. Like, I can't even believe, like, this is amazing. Like, so I'm at this cabin style house. I'm having a wonderful time with he and his dad and his dad wife. And at the time, my daughter was three years old. And I just knew I wanted this life. And so at that time, my daughter was three. And I said, you know what? I want to, I want to do something different with my life. Now, mind you, I had a good job. I was working at a hospital um, in Newark, New Jersey called Presbyterian Hospital or um, Presbyterian Presbyterian Children's Hospital. So I had I had a decent job, you know. Well, you know, they called it a good job. I was working at the hospital. I was in a union and all that great stuff. But I wanted more. And 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 that's when my journey started. My daughter was started. My daughter was three years old at the time. And I knew I wanted more. And I thought her dad and I were gonna get married and you know, we was gonna build all these great things together. But you know, he wasn't ready. He was young, I was still young, but I realized we got a kid. I gotta do something different. And I started this journey of chasing money. That's when my journey started, 1997. I was chasing money. I was chasing money up and down. I had two jobs. I was selling Avon. I was uh, stuffing envelopes. I was doing any kind of get rich quick scheme you could probably think of that came on late night TV on infomercials. I was doing it all because I was trying to get that money because I wanted this life that I had been exposed to. You know, I'm flying in planes and, you know, I'm going to foreign countries and, you know, I'm, I'm staying in hotels with, with, a, with, a, with a wife is shopping at Neiman Marcus for shampoo. It's crazy stuff. Like, I'm like, who goes to Neiman Marcus and buy shampoo, right? This is what I'm thinking in my mind because we go to Walgreens, you know. She's like, I went to I went to Neiman Marcus to pick up some shampoo, and I'm thinking Neiman Marcus for shampoo, but that that was because money was not an issue for them, and I saw that money was an issue for them because I go to Walgreens to get my shampoo, you know. And so I was like, I I want to live a life like this. It was amazing. Like we were out at, at these beautiful restaurants, and you know, my daughter went skiing and things like that. Remember, we grew up in Newark. So my daughter was going on ski trips and going visiting cabins and eating lobster. She was three years, five years old eating lobster, you know. So I wanted her to continue to have that life. And my journey started in 97. Um, that's when I started on my entrepreneur journey. And so for a very long time, I was chasing money. And I had to, I had to finally stop and say, okay, wh what are you doing? Because you're not moving even though I've, I have accomplished a lot and, and I could tell you some of my accomplishments and if I die today, I feel like I have made a contribution to this world, but I feel like I still have more to do. I still, I feel like I still have more people to empower and encourage. And the only way I'm going to be able to do that is share my story like I'm sharing it with you right now and show people what's possible. But I'm, I also have to show them what's not possible when you're all over the place. And so let me just give you a background of some of the things I've done so you can get a clear picture of who I am. And so you can follow me on this journey that I'm about to take you on. So um, I co-authored my first book in 1998. In 1999, I invented the first plus size fashion dolls. Now that in itself is a huge accomplishment because I, I knew nothing about inventing anything. I knew nothing about the doll industry. I knew nothing about what it take to even get the money to do the dolls. I knew nothing about manufacturing in foreign countries. I knew nothing about this, but I had a vision and I had a goal and I let my vision and my goal drive me. And that goal was to get rich and make a lot of money. Now here's the funny thing about that. 
the dolls were, were plus size, right? They were plus size fashion dolls. So when you think about Barbie, think about a doll that was twice her size in the circumference. So when you looked at Barbie little body, our dolls were twice her size. And so I, I invented that doll. I got her manufactured in Hong Kong. I got a sculptor to sculpt it. She was from Kinchlow, Michigan. She, I sent her pictures of myself because I was plus size. I sent her pictures of myself. She sculpted the doll in my image. We sent the sculptor, we sent the clay to Hong Kong. Hong Kong sent me back vinyl. And then we took it from there. The doll was born in 1999. And so um, that started, I call that my real journey because at that time, before that I was doing Avon and Herbalife and all these different kind of network marketing things. And I'm not knocking network marketing at all because I learned some of my best personal development being a network marketer. I, when I tell you network marketing is heavy, heavy on personal development, it is. If you want to build your muscle as an entrepreneur, try network marketing first. One, you're going to get a ton of no's, so that's going to strengthen you right there. Two, you're going to understand that to be, to be in this game and stay in this game and to be successful in this game, your mindset got to be right. It's got to be right. So anyway, I, I, I invented the dolls, right? So I ran that company for five years. And by that time, um, my partner and I, my partner had moved to Texas. I was still in Jersey. I was tired. I was burned out because I was up and down the parkway, up and down the highway, selling dolls at every doll show that I could find. And people were loving the dolls. The dolls got nominated for awards. We were in magazines. I was on television. Oh, I was flying high. People knew me in the doll world because I was on TV, national television. I was in magazines and newspapers and radio shows. I was flying high. So I was accomplishing that dream. But when I tell you I was exhausted, I was exhausted because I was, I was chasing money. Now, here's how I knew I was chasing money. I knew I was chasing money because my partner was giving one message about why we started that company. And her message was, we want women who are overweight to feel good about who they are, right? That was her message. And so I was kind of going along with the message, but I knew that wasn't my, my reason for starting that company. My reason for starting that company was to make a lot of money. That was my reason. And so I started to feel like a fraud because I knew that I did not start that company to make women feel good about who they were. Even though I was a plus size woman, that idea came to me because I was searching for something to make money. And I did, I made money. So back, let me, let me take it back for a second. Back then it wasn't a whole lot of online e-commerce sites. At that time I had a credit card machine and I had a, I had a fax machine and I had my computer all in my bedroom. And in the middle of the night, I would get fax orders and the fax machine would go off in the middle of the night and the orders would be coming through. And now I would have to take the orders off the fax machine and punch them into the credit card machine to process the cards. Right. But the money was coming and so we were doing well we were doing well but when I tell you I was so burned out after five years I was like one I feel like a fraud for telling this story that yeah we created this because our motto was don't let what you weigh stand in your way right that was a motto it was a good motto it was a solid motto and had I stood behind that it probably would have been a huge company by now but I felt like a fraud because that wasn't the mission I was on. The mission I was, was on was not because I was so interested in helping women feel good about who they are, who were overweight, because I was overweight. And I was just trying to make money and make a living for me and my kid. So I wasn't, that wasn't the real mission. So when people would interview us on television and things like that, and they would say, well, why did you start this company? And we would say, well, we started this company because we wanted women to feel good about who they are and not let what they weigh stand in their way, right? Sound great. 
but I, be, I felt like a fraud because I knew that wasn't my real mission. Um, that wasn't my real reason for starting that business. So that business lasted for five years. And so if we dissolved the business, we moved on to separate ventures. We're still very good friends to this day. She now lives in Georgia where I live. You know, we both live in Georgia. We both are still very good friends. And um, we moved on to other things. I became a consultant, um, a small business consultant for the Small Business Development Center at Rutgers University and also at Keene University. I wrote, I wrote more books. Um, I started a newspaper called Women in Business Today. I had a radio show called Women in Business Today. I had a magazine called Sister Inc. I have a magazine now called Peach State Woman. Um, I had a TV show called Women in Business Today. I had a TV show called Sister Inc. So I've been in media now for 16 years, going on 17 years. So out of that time, all of these things happened. So if I if I died today, would I have would would I have made a contribution to the world? I believe I have because I've empowered a lot of people. I've inspired a lot of people. I've helped a lot of people launch businesses. I help I've helped a lot of people write books and publish books. I've gave I have given a lot of people a spotlight um, to step into because of the platforms and media that I've created. I own an internet TV company called HerTube. I own another internet TV company called Baki TV. Both of those platforms are on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. So yes, I've done a lot, a lot. But here's my thing. With all of the things that I've done, I found that I was doing them all for pretty much the wrong reason. Well, not all, not not completely. I'm not going to say that because media, I love media. I think media is powerful, but I also feel like it gives you a platform to share your story. Hence why I'm sharing my story right now with you. It gives you a platform to share your story. So when I look back on the things I've done, I've done some great things. And I'm not saying that to toot my own horn. I'm just saying that I've done some amazing things, but I could have done some more amazing things had I been focused on things that I love instead of chasing money. I could have I could have made a bigger impact, I believe, had I been focused on the dream instead of the dollar, right? And so I, I've had some time to think about that. You know, I've had some time to think about where I am in my life and what I really want. And I look back at the mistakes, not to live in the past, but to just realize these are the things that you failed at. Let's, let's learn from those things. Let's move forward. And so that's what I've done. So that's why my talk is called Stop Chasing the Dollar and Follow Your Dream, because I want you to, I want you to get what I'm saying. In order for you to be successful in life, you have to not chase money. You have to follow your dream, whatever that dream is. It may not be starting a business. You may want to be a race car driver. You may want to be a professional pool shark. Whatever it is, you have to stay focused. And I found for me, although I've had success, not the type of success I would want to have, but the, I've had success, you know what I mean? So, and, and that's because I wasn't 100% focused. I wasn't 100% all in. And that has been a struggle because here's the thing, as an entrepreneur, when we give birth to something, it's like, if I give this up, it's like giving my child up for adoption or give, you know what I mean? So it was hard. Like every time I would start a new venture, you know, I would work it for years. I, I wouldn't give it up over, overnight. I would work it for two, three years, five years. I would work it. And when it didn't do what I wanted it to do, I, I would start something new, right? But that was because I was chasing the dollar. So the dream was great, but the dollar was pulling me. Let me, let me say that again. The dream was great, but the dollar, the dollar was pulling me. It was calling me. It had me by the hand. Like, come on, girl. Come on, take this trip. You know you want to follow this dollar. Put that dream on the side. I got a new dream over here for you. Follow this dollar. And that's what was happening. And so 
um, in 2017, I had a huge revelation about my life. I, um, my back was bothering me real bad. I was severely overweight. My back was bothering me so bad. My knees was bothering me. Everything was giving me a lot of pain. And um, I went to the doctor for my back. And so when I went to the doctor, he told me I had something called lumbar stenosis, which just simply means that my discs were out of alignment and they were pressing on my nerves. And it caused excruciating pain down my right leg. And um, and I knew he was very nice. He didn't want to say, hey, you need to lose weight. He didn't want to say that. So he prescribed me some medication that helped me. But what he said was, he said, hey, we did this x-ray on your back, but we see something. We look like we see something on your ovary. He said, so make sure you go to your doctor, your primary care doctor, and follow up with the doctor and um, so they can, you know, check it out. So I went to my primary care doctor. I said, hey, listen, here's a report from the orthopedic, uh, from the spine doctor. He said he saw something, but he sure it wasn't anything. And um, he wanted you to take a look at it. And so she said, okay. So she sent me for an ultrasound. She said, are you having any pains? You know, abdominal pain? I said, no, I'm not having any pain. She said, okay. So she said, it's probably nothing. So she sent me to get an ultrasound. And I remember getting the ultrasound and I remember it was a Saturday, 2017, St. Patrick's Day. I got a phone call 8.30 that morning. So um, the phone rings and I said, hello. Hi, may I speak to Audrey? I said, oh, this is Audrey. So, hey, Audrey, this is Kyle. I'm calling from Dr. whatever her name's office. I just want to give you the results of your test. I said, oh, okay, cool. He said, yeah, um, looks like you have cancer. And I'm on the phone like, did he just say I had cancer? He's like, yeah, it looks like you have cancer, but the good thing is it hasn't spread. And, and this is a conversation. This is his tempo. You know, it was like, yeah, it, it hasn't spread. So that's a good thing. So what we're going to do is we're going to schedule you to go to Emory. since so Emory is one of the leading cancer um, hospitals here in Georgia. And I'm like, he just told me I had cancer. And I was like, okay. And he hung the phone up. And that was it. And I, I remember just busting out crying like uncontrollably. And my uncle was on the deck and he came running in the house. My mother came running out the room, you know, and everybody was like, well, what's wrong? I was like, I got cancer. And they were like, cancer? And my mom said, listen, it's going to be okay, relax. Because my mom had had breast cancer twice. And so she had gone through this whole process of having cancer. And, um, and I was there for her. I was like the strong, I'm the strong one. Like I'm the one that people go to with everything. I'm the strong one. I was a hot mess on St. Patrick's Day, 2017. And all I could think of was all the things I had not done, even though, remember all the things I just said, I had done all of these things, but here's what I felt like. I felt like none of those things mattered. I felt like I hadn't really made a real impact. You know, and maybe I had, but I felt like I had not. And now I am being diagnosed with cancer. And now I'm thinking I'm going to die. And what am, what am I going to do now? And I remember that day being one of the saddest days of my life. You know, and I and only because I was thinking about all the things I had not done. But so when you get a cancer diagnosis, the first thing you think is that you're going to die. Right? It's, that's the first thing you think. Now, remember what I said about personal development. And remember what I said about mindset. Just remember that. So I, so the rest of that day, I'll never forget it. Um, we had to go, I think we had to go take my niece. My niece was going to school. She was going away for the summer, for summer um, college. And um, I remember my daughter was driving. My niece and I were in the back seat. My mom was in the front seat. We were going to drop my niece off. And I just remember sitting in the back seat and the car was so quiet. Now we're a chatty family. We, got, we like to talk. 
And I remember just everybody was just quiet. Nobody was saying anything. And I was just looking out the window because what we had to drive was about a 45 minute to an hour drive. And I, re I remember sitting there and just looking out the window and um, just thinking, man, I got cancer. What am I going to do now? You know, and I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And by the time we dropped my niece off and came back home, I was like, okay, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to Emory. I'm going to um, let them run some more tests on me. And then I'm going to get on with my life. That was me. So that was that day, St. Patrick's Day. And when I tell you, had it not been the fact that I, I had been in network marketing, where I had learned how to develop my mindset and that muscle for strength, Oh yeah, I would have been a hot mess for the rest of that whole time. But I, I realized, okay, if I have cancer, I need to pull myself together because I don't know how much time I got. I need to make a huge impact in this world before I go. That's what I knew. And so I pulled myself together. And the next day, you would not even have known that someone had said to me, hey, you have cancer. You would not have known it because my mindset has shifted because I was like, okay, you may have cancer, but let's go. You're going to leave. You're going to let God handle that. And you're going to go do this work you got to do. Right. And so that's what I did. And I went to, I went to Emory. They made me the appointment at Emory. I went to Emory and I remember going to Emory and I remember <laughs> it's the funniest thing because my sign for everything good in my life is a butterfly. Right. And I was like, Lord, if you let me see butterflies, I know everything is going to be okay. Right. That's what I said. Well, I walk into Emory, right? I park my car. I come through the, the parking garage. I walk into Emory. I walk down the hall. I make a right. The elevator is right there to my right. But as I make the right to get on the elevator directly in front of me in the Winship Cancer Center, directly in front of me is a wall with nothing but butterflies all over it. Like they, you know, like they weren't real butterflies, but someone had taped butterflies all over this wall. And so soon as I turned that corner, I looked and there was a wall with nothing but butterflies. <laughs> I got on that elevator and I was like, yeah, everything's going to be fine. Right. I get upstairs because I had to take an MRI. I get upstairs to the MRI. I get on the table and I remember getting on the table, you know, you, you, you're supposed to take everything metal out your pockets and all, out your hair. Well, I had a bobby pin that was left in my hair some kind of way. And when I got inside the MRI machine, it shot up to the top of the MRI machine. I'm like, what the heck is that? It was a bobby pin. It, it, the, the magnetic force in the MRI pulled the, pulled the bobby pin right out of my hair. And I looked up at the top of the, the, um, the MRI machine to pull the bobby pin down and give it to the tech. And as I looked up towards the ceiling, butterflies were on the ceiling. I'm, I'm not kidding you guys. And I said, oh my God, they have butterflies painted on the ceiling in the MRI room. And I was like, that is amazing. So, you know, I knew I had something going on, but I knew I was going to be all right. So I took my MRI and I know this is a long story, but I just want to get you to the point, um, take you to where I am right now. How, and I wanted you to see how I got to this point. So I left out of there. I left out the Winship Cancer Center at Emory Hospital in Atlanta, feeling like, you know what? Everything's going to be good. And so when I went to go see the oncologist, she said to me, you have something. We don't know what it is, but you have a lot of it, right? She said, it looks like little sacks of fluid, and it's all across your both ovaries and your your bladder and your small intestine, right? And she said, we're gonna, we're gonna wait. 
Now, here's my thing. This will kind of freak me out for a second. She said, we're going to wait and see if it grows, to, to see if it's cancer, and see if it grows. I'm like, I don't want you to wait. Take it out. Like, don't wait. Let, let's get rid of it. And so we're talking about March. So that was in March. I had to wait. She made me wait all the way to July, right? Not knowing, just going back and getting MRIs to see was anything growing. It never grew. But what she said to me was, she said, you know, the surgery that we're going to have to do is going to be an extensive surgery. And she said, there could be a possibility that if we get in there, because we don't know what's going to happen until we get in there, that we may have to cut out part of your intestines. And if we do that, there's a chance that you may have to live with a colostomy bag. And oh my God, that just let the air right out of me. I'm like, a colostomy bag? I'm like, really? And um, she was like, you know, so I just have to make you aware of, you know, what could possibly happen. And so at that point, I had to decide whether or not I wanted to do the surgery and just go on and live and live until, you know, whatever God has in plan for me, you know, that I had to make that choice. Or I wanted them to go in there and do the surgery and take out whatever was there and risk possibly, you know, having part of my intestines taken out and having to live for the rest of my life with the colostomy bag. And so I was, you know, I, I thought it over and I just kept believing what, what God had showed me with those butterflies that everything was going to be okay. And so deep down inside, I knew that I needed to move forward and have the surgery. So I, I opted for the surgery and they did the surgery. And when I woke up in the recovery room, the first thing I said to my husband was, do I have cancer? And he said, no. I said, do I have a colostomy bag? And he said, no. And I said, thank God. And I went to sleep. And the next time I woke up, I was inside my, my hospital room. So I shared that story with you because I wanted you to see where I had come from, where I had been, like what could have been a very low time in my life was like one of the times that I said, you know what? I just got to trust in, trust in God. So then I had to move forward. So within that time, I had a couple, I had that surgery and that was 2017, July, 2017. So once I recuperated from that surgery and it was a, it was a, it was a rough surgery. I was in, I was in the OR. They told me I was in the OR for five hours. Right. And my parents, my mother, my husband, my daughter, they were all so afraid because it's supposed to be like a two hour surgery. And I was in the surgery for like a five, a five hours in surgery because they said they had to get, they couldn't get everything. They had to move stuff around. It was crazy. It was, it was one of those, it was a big surgery. So it took me a long time to heal. It took me a long time to heal. It took me pretty much the rest of the summer to heal. And I really didn't do anything that summer um, because I was in the process of healing. It, but it gave me time to think about what I wanted to do. And I knew the first thing I wanted to do was to get my life on track as far as my weight and my health because I felt like that's what was suffering. And that suffered because all of my attention was focused on chasing money because I, I had seen what I wanted in life. I had seen beautiful houses and, you know, a lot of people like cars. I love houses. Like that is one of the things I've always wanted was a beautiful house. And I remember just taking that time off that summer because I was still recuperating from the surgery and thinking about what I wanted. And I really didn't do anything. I read a lot of books and magazines and things like that. And so I decided, you know what? First thing you got to do is get this weight off of you. That's the first thing you got to do. And so I started on my journey to weight loss and I tried my best to do it on my own, but I wasn't doing it right. I tried the HCG diet. I tried the slim fast. I tried Atkins. I tried all these different things that just were not working for me. And so I decided, you know,
what, let me go to the doctor. I'm going to have weight loss surgery. And I went to the doctor to get checked for having weight loss surgery. And, you know, if you ever thought about doing that, that's a process. Like that's a six month process because they want to make sure that you've tried everything you can before you go, go have surgery. So I went through that whole process of having surgery and, um, my surgery for weight loss was April the 23rd, 2018. So I had that surgery and I'm happy to say um, because of that surgery, I have lost a total of about 118 pounds and I'm ecstatic because I'm a new person today because of that. But what that did was too, that gave me the strength that I need to move forward. And I said, you know what? My health is, is great right now. I feel good. Um, I can move around. My knees and back don't hurt as much because they still hurt, but not as much. Um, I need to do something I absolutely love. I need to trust God that it's going to work out the way it should. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to close down my business. And let me tell you, I'm still in the process of closing it down. I haven't closed it completely yet. I'm going to close down my, my business and I'm going to launch a business that I, that I know I could love. Um, because I've tried to do it before, but because I didn't see where the money was coming from, I didn't do it. And it's podcasting. I love podcasting. When podcasting first started, I became a podcaster like in 2009. And, but I didn't see any money because podcasting was not the, was not the industry it is now. Right. So I started out on blog talk radio as a podcaster and, um, but I stopped. And when I stopped on blog talk, I think I had about 215 episodes. That was unheard of back then. Right. But I, I wasn't making money and I couldn't even see how to make money. I just knew that I loved doing it. And I, and I was on radio. I was on traditional radio on two stations and I was podcasting. So I knew that I loved doing this thing, but I couldn't see how to monetize it the right way. And so that's when I started doing all these other things again, chasing money. But I, I stopped in 2018 after my surgery and I recuperated. I said, you know, I think I'm going to go back into podcasting. But this time I'm going to go full speed ahead. And I launched my new podcast, which is called Good Morning Gwinnett. And um, I, I've been doing it now since December 2018. I'm up to episode 169. And I love it. I do it four days a week. So that's how much I love it. I do it four days a week. And I had to trust that the money would show up, I, that I could not chase money. I had to follow my dream this time and follow it with the conviction and the knowing that the money would show up. Don't worry about the money, Audrey. And I had to constantly tell myself that because things have to get paid, you know? So I had to constantly tell myself, Audrey, don't worry about the money. Do not. Just follow the dream. Don't chase the dollar. And I'm telling you, it was hard. But I, I just, I said, you know what? I'm going to keep doing this thing and I'm going to keep doing that. Here's what's funny. Money started showing up. And I'm smiling as I say this because money started showing up from places I wasn't even expecting money to show up from, right? Not a little bit of money, lots of money. Opportunities start to, started to show up. I went to Podfest in March, which I absolutely had an amazing time there. Met some amazing people and, and came up with this slogan called Pod Chicks. Right. Because I was walking around the, 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 the conference, me and my friend, my same friend who was my business partner in the dog company. And I was like, yeah, we're the pod chicks. You know, that's what I kept telling me. Yeah, we're the pod chicks. And people was like, that is a really cute name. That's a really cute, cute name. And so I was like, you know what, let me let me go register this name on the GoDaddy because it is a, a cute and catchy name. 
And when I left Pod Chicks, when I left Pod Fest that March, I came home, you know, because now you got to like let it all like, like let it all digest. It was such an amazing conference. So I was like, I learned so much. And I met so many amazing people. Now it takes you like two days just to get back into to the swing of things. And I kept thinking, what am I going to do with this name Pod Chicks? Well, maybe I'll write a book because, you know, I know how to write a book. Let me write a book. So what I did was I invited women who wanted to be a part of my book called Pod Chicks. They didn't have to pay anything because a lot of times when people invite you to be in their book, you got to pay. I just wanted them to share their stories. And so I wrote the book Pod Chicks. So the book is available now on Amazon. So I'm excited about that. But then I felt like I needed I needed to make it. I needed to do something else with that. And I'm a very community oriented person. Like I love being a part of communities, but I don't like being a part of communities where people just kind of lurking and looking, you're not doing anything. I like to be a part of communities that take action, right? And I thought, well, maybe I need to start a community for women who want to start podcasts. And here's the thing. I just came off a cruise about two weeks ago where I had to speak about podcasting. And I met women on there who said, hey, I need help launching my podcast. And I was like, I got the perfect place. I just launched this membership network called Pod Chicks. And that's P-O-D-C-H-I-X, right? And it we're gonna help you launch your podcast. And I was I have been so excited about Pod Chicks till I can't even tell you. I barely sleep. And I know that I'm on the right track because it makes me excited. Here's the thing, and I'm not even worried about money. Like I just want to build out this amazing community for women who are serious about podcasting, like who are serious about leveraging the power of podcasts. If you don't want a podcast, but you want to leverage podcasting, we talk about how to do that, right? Because there's a way to leverage podcasting without being a podcaster. And I know that because I'm on this show, that's called leverage, right? But if you want to start a podcast, that's called leverage. If you want to sponsor a podcast, that's called leverage. But a lot of the women said to me, Hey, it's my second act. I'm 50 something years old. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. And I was like, thank you, Lord. Cause now I know that I'm on the right track again. I, you told me I was, I was going to be okay from cancer and I was. And now I'm trusting that you're going to help me to help the people that need my help. And you are. And so I no longer chase a dollar. I am following this dream. And when I tell you I'm excited about the dream and I sleep better at night, I'm not stressed out. I've turned over my clients to, to, to some of my clients that I had still waiting for my help. I've, I've formed a collaborative partner with a young lady who does exactly the same thing that I do. And I've introduced her to my clients so she can help them. Because even though I'm able to do so many things, some of those things made me very unhappy. They paid a lot of money but they made me very, very unhappy. I'm talking about unhappy too. I was stressed out just thinking about doing them. And, and here's the thing, to do them was like breathing for me, right? Because they're pretty technical things. Like, you know, I'm creating five TV channels for people and I'm creating, um, watching people's podcasts for them, a DIY, I'm gonna do it for you kind of thing. But it was stressful. And I was like, man, this, this brings me thousands of dollars, but it does not bring me any joy. And I knew I was helping people, but it wasn't the type of help that I needed to be given. It was not bringing me joy. It was bringing me unhappiness. So I was unhappy and I felt like I wasn't doing my best work because I was so stressed out behind it. Now 
oh my God, I feel amazing. I feel amazing that I can get up every morning, do my podcast. I do my podcast. My podcast is not traditional either. I play music on my podcast. It's called Good Morning Gwinnett. And Gwinnett is the county that I live in in Georgia. And I get up every morning and I play music. I do the horoscopes and I talk about news and events around Gwinnett County. That's my podcast. And I love it. And I get off the podcast and I go on and I do something else for the day that's pertaining to the business. I love it. I'm happy. I feel energized. Now I have this community that I'm building for these women to just dump everything that I know into them. You want to learn how to get your podcast on Alexa? It's going to be in the community. You want to learn how to get your podcast on Amazon Fire TV? It's in the community. You want to learn how to get your uh, your podcast on Google Home devices? It's in the community. I feel so good about that because I can put that in the community for women who are serious about podcasting and how to leverage podcasting, you know? And so that's where I am. And so, I, you know, I just wanted to share my journey with you. And I wanted to tell you, don't worry about the money. Stop chasing the dollar. Don't do it. And follow your dream. Here's the thing. Create a plan for your dream. Like I have, I have a plan written out for Pod Chicks. I have a plan to how to build it as a brand. I'm excited about the future of Pod Chicks. I'm so excited because I know that I'm going to help women because they are already reaching out to me. Hey, I need your help. I was at a podcasting event uh, with Mark Dill um, on, I think it was Wednesday night. Wednesday night. He has a, a big network of podcasters here in uh, in Georgia called Podcast Atlanta. And I met five people at that event who had never started their podcast and they needed help. You know, and I'm thinking, wow. So that just let me know that I'm in the right place at the right time. And then Mark and I have decided to do a collaborative venture together because he does not address the, the audience that I address. You know, he, he, he has his audience of people and he's very strict about that. He's like, listen, I don't, I don't, that's not my target. And I was like, why? You have all these people coming to you saying, hey, I need help. He's like, that's not my target. He's very focused on his target. And even though he's missing out on a ton of money, that is not his target. And he doesn't care because here's what you learn. When you are focused on the wrong target, you are going to be unhappy. Let me just tell you, that's where I was. Now, the target that's not his target is actually my target. So he said, Audrey, that's not my target. I can refer all those people to you. And I was like, okay. And then my, you know, my old thinking is saying, but man, you leave the money on the table. He did not care. And I get it because I just gave away a bunch of thousand dollar clients, right? And, uh, and she's probably thinking, what is wrong with her? That's not my target anymore. That's your target. It's not mine anymore. And I'm okay with giving you those clients because that's not my target anymore. And I'm talking about thousands of dollars. We're talking about creating Fire TV apps, Roku apps. That's thousands and thousands of dollars. You can go look it up, $5,000, $10,000, $15,000. I gave my clients away. That's not my target anymore. I am I'm following my dream. My dream is to build a successful community podcast. To shine, the, to shine the spotlight on my community and to build a thriving community of women who are serious about leveraging the power of podcasts through Pod Chicks. To help them, we stand together to create amazing content that's going to empower people, going to educate people, that's going to inspire people. That's, that's what I'm about right now. I'm about that community. I'm about empowering folks the way I need to do it.
not the way I believe I need to do it because I'm following money, but the way I need to do it because I'm following my dream. So listen, thank you so much for listening to me. I am truly honored to be a part of this podcast. And if there's anything I can help you to do to, you know, start a podcast, please reach out to me. I'm Audrey at Podchicks, that's P-O-D-C-H-I-X dot com. Or just go to the Podchicks community. It's two weeks old, so you won't see a whole lot of members yet because I'm still adding content. But you can become a member right now, Podchicks.com. Thank you again for listening to me. I'm so glad to be a part of this podcast. Thank you, Michael, for having me. I really appreciate you because you didn't have to give me this opportunity, but you did, and I am grateful. Um, Thank you again. Bye now. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If so, rate it from the place you downloaded it. For any questions, send an email to michaelpulser at gmail.com.